I've worked with hundreds of women entrepreneurs to help them market their businesses. Behind their businesses, they all have stories to tell. Whether it's battling mommy guilt, starting a business after being fired from a six-figure job, or realizing they needed to pivot and forge an uncharted path, they've all experienced something on their journey to success. I'm one of these women too, and I'm here to share our stories on Bright Girls in Business. Hello, 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 everybody. This is another week. We've made it halfway to the halfway mark. It's hump day. So it's time for the Bright Girls in Business show. I am your host, Chanel Yarber. And as always, I'm excited to share my platform with other Black women entrepreneurs. Today, I have a real treat. I have been trying to wrangle this lady and get her on my platform for quite a while. And I finally did it, y'all. So I'm super duper excited. Um, as you know, I love the engagement. So make sure that you check in into the comments. Let us know where you're from, where you're checking in from, send questions, all that other good stuff. Send us the love, send us the energy because we are here live with you and we want to interact with you. And if you have any aha moments, any gems, anything like that that you want to drop, share that as well because we want to know and make sure that you are getting the value out of the show. So now let me introduce my guest. Y'all, I'm like, I, I don't get like starstruck or anything. And I'm not really like starstruck with this one because she and I have a real relationship. But I'm just so honored and so excited to have my business coach on today, Miss Felicia Kelly. And we are going to be talking about what it means to be a rich black woman. And so Felicia brings together black women entrepreneurs to redefine what it means to be successful so that they can cre they can increase peace in their homes, operate their businesses with confidence and activate unlimited abundance in their lives. She's used her 18 years of expertise in sales, business development and lifestyle strategy to coach women across the globe. I was one of these women. These rich black women now lead multi six and seven figure businesses, thrive in healthy marriages and impact the world with God given purposes. After the highs and lows of building a thriving online community, making her first million dollars and writing two books, Pro Proverbs and Profit and Cancel Your Clients, she now spends her time leading black women with the rich method for living, her signature framework, framework for shifting into purpose-centered abundance. And I've said more than enough. I'm going to let her come on and greet you. Welcome, Felicia. Hold on. We can't hear you. Come off mute. Hey, now. Can you hear me and see me okay? Yes. There you go. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you and to have this conversation. Girl, you know I love to talk. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm telling you, I... <laughs> You know, I've been watching you for, oh, Lord, because I, good grief. Now I'm trying to think. It's been years. You know, I, I tapped in and I started, you know, connecting and following you on Instagram and all of that. And you had a voice that cut through a lot of the noise. And I honestly, before meeting you and before coming into encounter with you, I was kind of like, 
it was so many coaches out there. I'm going to just say that. It was so many business coaches out there, especially going into the pandemic. Everybody wanted to be a coach, right? But I knew that I wanted to go to another level, but I knew anybody couldn't take me there. And so I am grateful to you. So I'm going to give you your flowers before we even get started. I am grateful for you. um, First of all, just for your obedience to hearing God's voice and to following and doing what it is that you're called to do and doing it excellently. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm honored to do it. And I, I wouldn't trade any of the experiences that I've had as a coach and a woman in the service-based industry at all. I wouldn't trade it. I'm honored to work with you ladies all around the globe and I wouldn't trade it at all. Absolutely. So tell me what prompted you to to start your business when you already had a successful career? I mean, you've been in sales, you've been in business development. What made you leave the corporate space and then want to do this on your own? You know, it's funny because I've told this story so many times and I'm always laughing when I tell it because I knew that I was going to be a businesswoman from the time I was six years old. I've always known that I was going to be a businesswoman and so much so that when we lived with my grandmother as I was growing up, there was a little box like a shoebox where they would keep all of my business papers, which was made up of junk mail, things that they didn't (laughs) want, anything that I could fill out and sign, right? So much so that I went to my first day of pre-K or kindergarten one with a little briefcase that my mom found. Fast forward, you know, going through all of the things that we go through as young teenagers and transitioning into adulthood, sometimes we lose that drive or we lose the belief system that tells us who we can be or what we can be. And I started working through a lot of those changes in my early 20s. And then I met my husband. And as we were working in the car business, which is where I really got my start at making multi-six figures, he said, you know what? You have all these customers that can't buy coming back and doing whatever you told them. And now they can buy a car or get better terms or what are you doing? And so I talked to him about it. He said, I think you got something. And I think you need to do something business wise. You always said you wanted a business and maybe you should give it a try. And that was in the beginning of 2016. In October of 2016, I launched my business. Wow. So, yeah. so thank God for your husband. Oh, yes. My husband. <laughs> y- y'all know I love Patrick. Anybody Listen. that knows me knows me and Patrick like peanut butter and jelly, baby. Once you put them together, you can't get them apart. <laughs> That's <laughs> us all day. I love that. I love the fact that you mentioned him in your journey to success and him championing you to start your business because so many times I know, you know, I'm a single woman and I know that there's other single women that are entrepreneurs that look to be married and look to, you know, partner up with somebody. But I think it takes a special somebody to partner up with a woman who has her own and who, you know, has her own drive, her own vision, her own purpose, and really, you know, get behind and champion that. So shout out to PK. Yes, Uh, yes. always shout out to PK. It's funny because a lot of uh, men just can't handle being responsible for something that they can't control, Mm. right? And so it can be challenging for men, especially black men. Is it okay if I go here? Let's go, let's go. Uh, I like to ask for permission first, but a lot of times men, especially black men who are in spaces and industries with high performing women 
oftentimes they are either intimidated because they haven't been surrounded by high performing women in the way that they determine high performing to be. They may not consider the fact that their mom had three jobs just to get them through high school and all the sports. They may not consider her a high performing woman because her three jobs weren't something glamorous like you see right now. And so when they come into adulthood and now they meet a woman like myself who's in sales or who's a trainer or who works in the financial services industry like I did, they're intimidated, not realizing that I'm very similar to the woman you grew up with. I just have a different occupation. Mm. And so because they have not been trained on how to see a woman at her biggest and at her best outside of their opinion of what she should be, they sometimes struggle to really engage in a positive way with high performing women. Because once you marry a woman, what regardless of who she is, she is now your responsibility. And the vision that is required of your last name is your responsibility, even if God uses her mouth to do it. And so sometimes uh, men can't really handle that. And thankfully, uh, to God be the glory, I have a husband who doesn't have any problem with that at all. I love that. You said, wait, I got to, I know I'm going to have to go back. Anytime I do this show, I have to go back and watch it and like take notes because y'all be spitting. Like y'all just give all the nuggets. You said he has to be responsible for his last name. Say that again because I, I got to well, hear it again. The thing is, a man, a husband, right? I'm not talking about the boyfriends and all of that, regardless of what your past relationships are. A husband is responsible for the family. He's responsible for the vision that God has commanded to come out of that family, even if the person he's using at the forefront is the woman. So people get it twisted. You think because I'm in, I'm the one in front of the screen all the time that it falls on me. Actually, none of it falls on me. It all falls on Patrick because this family and this legacy is his responsibility. Now, if I'm the one that's called to be out in the public, then that piece of the vision God has given me to do and is up to him to make sure that I do it because it's all going to fall on him. He's going to have to answer for it because when I said I do and he put the ring on my finger, I took his last name. And so now he's responsible for what we are commanded to produce, even if God wants to produce it through me. Mm. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I love oh, yeah. that. A lot of pressure. Big I pressure. love that because one of my prayers, I wasn't even going here with you, Felicia. See, I had, look, I had a whole lineup and I'm going to get to my questions because I, I got to pull this stuff out of you because I know that my audience is like, they, they need to hear. Yeah. Um, I've heard you, you know, numerous times. So, but I want them to hear you. Um, and I wasn't even getting ready to get on this relationship thing. But I love what you said because that became one of my prayers as an entrepreneur: is God partner me with the man who can walk alongside me, and our purposes, you know, they they yeah. complement each other, or we can support one another, and we can build one another. I'm always looking for a partner to build with. Because it's so many times that I get out here and have been dating and you tell people what you do. I was just talking about this last week. You tell people what you do and then all of a sudden they off to the races and they have a preconceived idea about who you are. Yeah. And, oh, you you know, you a boss chick or you this or you that. And, it, it you know, it clouds their vision of who I am. But I honestly believe that the man that I'm called to, that's not going to, you know, it's not going to impact him or be an issue that's going to stand mm-hmm. in the way. So it's not. So when you find the right person, right? And I say this to black women, when you find, or excuse me, when you are found by the person who's assigned to look for you, 
You realize that what was an issue for another man is entering to him. Mm. And so the things that I had to say and the big ideas and the grandiose thinking and all of that, that was intimidating for previous partners or previous people that I engaged. But when it came to the man that was assigned to me, those things that were intimidating or issues are now intriguing to him. So instead of him saying, well, why do you want to do that? He's saying, well, why do you want to do that? Mm. What made you think that? Right. He's asking the same questions, but in a different spirit. Right. And so not going to align with the right person. And it's like Jill Scott said something I saw in an interview a few weeks ago that really just I love. And she said, a man can't tell me what to do unless he a man that can tell me what to do. Mm. And so I don't have to worry about toning down myself, because if I have to tone me down, that I, that means I have to tell God he did too much. Let me tone myself down so that I can attract a person who's going to like me in a way that works for them. And so then when you get into a relationship or a marriage, however uh, long, and you realize you've now changed yourself for someone, oh, well, they in love with somebody else because now I'm somebody I'm not. Mm. And so that's really what I wanted to avoid. And um, I, I, I'm not going to apologize for, I just talked about this the other day. I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I waited for the right man. God sent him and then we had children after we got married and then we started a business and then we started going through things together. I'm not going to apologize because I did it the way God told me. There you go. I'm not going to do that. And black women, especially single women, those of you who are still waiting on the right person or you don't have children, be totally okay with that. And those who are not okay with that, tell them to mind their business. Mind your business, because you people. Because you have to listen. You should have the lesson who you are because you want a relationship. You're going to be mad in 15 years. I believe that. I believe that. I have been one. I'm 40 years old now and I've been waiting patiently, praying, preparing. It's funny because uh, this Monday at my job, we had our annual meeting and my job is very mm -hmm. faith. It's a faith based organization, but it's a bank. It's very different than anything, any place I've ever been. But I know that I'm like supposed to be there in this season because mm -hmm. they pouring into me more than I'm giving them. Don't I hope ain't nobody watching. Um because they they I know they <laughs> want to get a return on the investment. But all the stuff that they pouring into me, I guarantee you it like it's it's crazy. Yeah. So um who was the speaker? Tim Tebow was uh -huh. our speaker and uh a guy patrick young he he played for um the university of florida and then just in i think june he said he had a debilitating car accident and now he's paralyzed uh, but mm -hmm. high performing people all of that and when they were speaking the theme was um game time ready and I was sitting there and I'm like, came time ready. What does that look like? What does that look like? Because I feel like I've been preparing for a long time for a lot of things. And that morning I had posted an affirmation on YouTube and it was, I am ready. Before I even knew what the theme was. And so as you're talking mm -hmm. about being prepared and you're talking about waiting and all of that, it's like, this is another confirmation for me. And every time we get together, you know, I don't know what it is about our conversations. <laughs> Every but time. we end up doing every this to time. each other every, every time. time. So thank you for that. So I want to transition. I want to ask another question because the million dollar mark is elusive to a lot of people. They It, it sounds like a lot of money to most. And it, I mean, yeah. it, is a lot of money. it is a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. Um, It used to be 
six figures. That was the thing. Everybody, I'm trying to get to six figures, and then you get to six figures, and you realize six figures. It that ain't was really a cool salary, but it's terrible as a business yes, owner. Yes, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, what were some of the hurdles that you had to to leap over and that you overcame when you made your first million dollars? You want to know why I love this question? Because I'm going to give you an answer. A lot of your favorites in the online space ain't going to give you. Go ahead. Um, I got to be like really dignified or grammatically correct. Absolutely not. I normally don't. Okay, good. Big period. Here's the issue. When you are on the path to seven figures and you make it, your problems don't start till after you make it. Mm. That's what nobody's telling you. Nobody's telling you that the problems start after you make it because when you make seven figures in your business, people think you're a millionaire and so do you. That's a major mistake on both parts because what happens is you get a little bit of the big head even if you don't get it too big, but you get it just enough to miss the fact that half the people are going to turn against you because you don't fit anymore. It's, it's almost like everybody, you've had a career where you or someone on that you work with has gotten promoted and y'all were here and now that somebody's gotten promoted, somebody's above. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like when you build online or you build as a black woman. I can only speak from the perspective of a black woman, but when you build as a black woman, especially in the digital space, because right now that's the thing. Everybody can be an entrepreneur. You just got internet, Wi-Fi in a dream. If you do some Wi-Fi, <laughs> you're good, especially during the pandemic. And so now what people are realizing is that, oh, wait, first of all, do you even need to make that much money for your business to be successful? Or are you still on a different level of the comparison wheel and you're just comparing this segment of your life now? Because a lot of people don't even need to get to a million in their business. When I say the problems came after, I mean, number one, what happens when you miss a quarterly tax payment as a seven-figure business? Mm. What happens when you find out that an employee didn't file paperwork they were supposed to file? What happens when you have a staff of 20 and now someone did something wrong three levels below you and it doesn't get to you until a month later? Too big, too soon. Wow. Right? Too big, too big, too big, too big. What people don't realize is that a lot of the rules we follow online are absolute trash. What I mean by that is just like many of us got sold a dream by some of these large corporate companies, we came to the Internet. The gods of the Internet changed the language and gave us the same rules. And so now we're a sheep of want to be entrepreneurs following this online space, just like we were trying to get degrees in the 80s. Mm. We have got to stop thinking that whatever white people let us have next is the sauce. I love it. Have you been doing digital business since the dot-com era, okay? And so when we look at ourselves and how we do business and say, I want to make six figures, I want to make six, seven figures, why? Do you already have a plan of action for that money? Because I made a million cash. I'm talking revenue, I'm talking cash. And so when you have a million cash, but nobody says, hey, you need to lower the percentage of your payroll because right now your payroll is at 33%. We need to get it back down to 20 because you got too much overhead. Instead of saying, oh, scale, sell more, sell more, sell more, mm. launch, launch, launch. And then you get to a million, but 33% of that is gone because you paid it out already for this launch. So that same $330,000 day you had, you just gave it back. Wow. 
Those are some of the things that we're not being taught because it's always just get, 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 get the bag, get the bag, get the money, get the people, get the audience, get the followers, get the things. And so we don't get a chance to stop and say, okay, let me assess where I am. Because the way I did things when I had a 50000 a year business is not the same I'm going to do things when I have a $50,000 a month business. Mm, that's good. That's that's the real, y'all. She she hit you with the real. <laughs> she hit, the, hit you money. with the real, real. Man, you mm-hmm. said $330,000 in payroll. Most people yeah. don't make $330,000 a year. And you just paid yeah. that out to to people that were working for you. That's first of all, yeah. let me let me give you a round of applause. <laughs> Even though I know in your mind you like, but I should have cut my I I know how you think. Kept half of it. You should have kept half cut, of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So outside of the money though, because that's what just like you say, everybody is get to the bag, hustle, mm-hmm. grind, no sleep, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, we've been hearing this for years, and it has put people even myself, admittedly, in a place of stress, in a place of depression, in a place of just yeah. utter chaos and foolishness because you're so focused on the number, on the paper, on mm-hmm. the balance sheet, right? Yeah. And you're not yeah. focused on you. You're not focused on the relationships around you. You're not, you not. You just like tunnel vision on the dollar. I got to get to this dollar. Yeah. What are some markers for success for you outside of the million? Oh my goodness, I absolutely love that question so much. And thank you for asking that because I don't really focus on numerical goals anymore for myself as a person. The business has to hit a certain mark and the business has to have certain numbers, of course. But for me, what I realized is that the hierarchy of a woman has been all out of whack. Mm. And I've seen a lot of this so much in women. Men, if y'all want to go out and grow, that's y'all business. I'm not coaching y'all, but black women. We have tried to use everything to fill the voids, but heal. It's no different than when everyone, the never fool came out and black women realized that they were allowed in the Louis Vuitton store and everybody had to buy the never fool. Well, then everybody was an entrepreneur and everybody was a boss and everybody had a photo shoot, 16, 17, 18, all these black women in photo shoots. I get it. I was one of them, granted. But then we use entrepreneurship to replace that healing that we didn't get. So instead of saying, I'm sad, because I really want a relationship. I really want solid friendships and I need to deal with my motherhood or fatherhood issues. Instead of now just going to get a new man, we just went and launched a business. And so we don't know how to set goals for ourselves. And I realized with that, oh, everybody made all this money, right? In 2020, I helped three women make a million dollars. Okay. Mm. In 2020, I helped over a dozen women make over a quarter million dollars. I helped over a dozen women go from having uh, $7,000 quarters to $7,000 days, from $7,000 quarters to $18,000 weeks. Massive financial change. Tell me why several of these women have closed their businesses, have lost their husbands. Why? Because this certain group didn't want to deal with the other issues. They thought if I just hit the goals, I just hit the goals, everything else will fall into place. And as I started studying these particular women who would now that path and I started having conversations over the past year and a half, I realized that as a woman, we out of order. Mm. The woman is out of order. The CEO, the boss has been running the show. And so I developed a hierarchy of womanhood. And I realized that first and foremost is a woman. We're talking about put yourself first, put yourself first. And like, oh, I am. I am. If that's the case, why is it that when I ask a black woman how she's doing, nine times out of ten, she tells me about her business or her career? Mm. 
So that tells me that the boss is first. That's the new accomplishment. If I can just accomplish, if I could just earn, then people will accept me. That's the new barometer of validation. And so now we realize it's woman first and foremost. Then it's your relationships, your key assigned relationships, wife, mom, any of those titles that you have, aunt, sister, friend. Then we got the CEO. Then we got the supervisor or whatever the title is. We have to learn to put the woman first and her well-being internally and externally, number one. Once we do that, then we can say, okay, who are the key people I need to have around me? Because just because you were key last week don't mean you key this week. Mm. You can go from being a key person in my life to key in my car and now I'm done. Like it, we just never know. And just because I don't like the fact that an, an, an assignment is up doesn't give me the right to change that because now I'm putting us in danger. Wow. These are the things we not discussing the CEOs and entrepreneurs. Long as we got an accountant, long as we know we got trademarks, no long as we can do anything that makes us feel more comfortable at a table with people who don't look like us, then we feel valid. Not realizing that one, you rich already, two, you were born being validated, being affirmed and all the things you need. But now it's up to you to ask yourself, who am I? What am I called to in this season? Because some people just don't want to let go of last season. Yes. Oh. They don't want to let go of last season. Well, Ooh. I've been a coach for 15 years. That might be the problem, sis. You got me over here ready to leap out of my seat. And I'm going to tell you why. So this time last year, well, about a week, about a week or two off, we were in Houston. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we Mark were in six, Houston. Yes. Had a time. Had a time. And if... I didn't hear your message then. Right now, I would be probably laid on the floor. But I, I heard your message then. And when I was in Houston, I knew at that time that I that some something was something was being shaken up in my life. I was still, you know, rock and rolling, doing my business. I'm I'm hit my goals and I'm I'm, you know, I'm on. All of what you're saying. My business is first. But when you sat up there and you were with PK and y'all were talking and I'm hearing all these nuggets being dropped, I'm saying, oh, I'm missing it. I'm missing something. I'm missing something, right? I'm taking notes, copious notes. I still got the notes. I'm like, oh, I'm missing something. I'd be doggone if about two weeks later, my life didn't completely flip around. Like literally the middle of March, I was back in Houston because I came to Houston the first week of March. I came home. Mm -hmm. The third week of March, I was back in Houston, back in Houston again, and everything started just going to hell in a handbasket. And it was through that season that, first of all, I was like, at first, I ain't gonna lie, I was kind of mad at you, because I'm like, why Felicia? Look, why, why Felicia put these, why she put this stuff out here? Because now, when you, when you know better what you're supposed to do, do better, right? Now you got to be accountable you to what you know the truth to be. Now you're accountable. Ah, rich black woman principles. Yeah. And I'm like, doggone it. If I wouldn't have never went to Houston, I would. <laughs> but I thank God because through the, the year that has passed, what you're talking about, putting me first, pouring into myself, learning who, who am I outside of the identity that I have as an entrepreneur. Put because I had put, Yeah, put that down. You, you know, get back to that. And I, like, I know who I am. I know who God called me to be and already showed me. Like, I know who I am. So 
But it took me a while to lay me down. I had to lay me down. And then God ended up laying me down. Like, all right, listen now. I listen. Listen, Linda. I'm let me let me go ahead yeah. and let some of these chips fall. And so I say that because what you're saying right now, I, I really hope that there are some women out there that are taking heed before they get to the point where they got to be laid down like I was laid down. Like I had to be laid down. <laughs> Yeah. I had to have some things come unglued in order for me to then refocus and say, okay, who is this 40-year-old woman that's staring me in the mirror that has mm. other parts of her life that she really would love to have a family, would love to be married, would love to, you know, all this other stuff. But like you said, was replacing it with the success, you know, getting so knee deep and focused in because that's what I can control. I might not be able to control, you know, all this other stuff that's going on, but I can, I can, I can have my hands on this thing and I can, I can hold on to this thing. And it turned into rope burn me trying to hold on and I'm sliding down the rope. Now my hand is bleeding and I'm looking crazy. So I appreciate you. I couldn't look, I couldn't appreciate you uh, last year when you said I that. It. I couldn't, I'm just being honest. You know how this, these <laughs> are our conversations. I couldn't appreciate it then, but I appreciate it now looking back because I really have been placed on a growth journey, a spiritual growth journey, a personal growth journey. Um, and I never would have, certain things wouldn't have triggered had that conversation not been had. So I just want to say uh, that. I love that. And I'm so honored because what I realized is that sometimes we got to wait in our emptiness. Mm. We have to just wait in our not having what we want and also not knowing if we're going to get it. Right. When we love to quote, you know, God to give us the desires of our heart, but we leave off that that desire has to align with his plan for us. Mm -hmm. That desire has to align with what we are assigned to, because the truth of the matter is that some women who desire marriage have not been called to be wives. You. We have to be okay with that. Some women who want to have children have not been called to be mothers. And that's why a lot of times when we go out and we try to force upon the, the thing that we want, like if we can't have a child, so we go adopt, even though we haven't been told or called to adopt. Now we got hell in the household. Now we got another bloodlines curses that we've taken upon ourselves, mm. right? We have all these things that we try to do to force God's hand. And sometimes we force a consequence that we didn't even have to have. The other thing that we have to consider in our waiting or in our experiences as women, especially those of us in business, is that this right here, this heart going to get you killed if you're not careful. We love to pay from our heart. We love to connect and put people on flyers and go and engage and get in events and do these things because, oh, that's my biz bestie. Or that could it be that that's the person you're assigned to walk with for the next 90 days? Maybe if we stop putting our hearts into assignments and we put our ears and our spirits into it, then we can stop getting hurt so much. Oh, but the problem is that we leave with our heart for everything. I did it. I've been there. I'm not teaching anything that I haven't had to walk through and walk other people through because I believe that you don't just do it for yourself. You teach somebody else and then you teach somebody else just in case that one was a fluke. That's my mindset. And when I see this over and over and over and over, that tells me that that's what happened. And so now we say, okay, sometimes we just take a step back. We just take a step back. That's why I took a year off. I said, every coaching program is closed. It's closed. 
I don't feel like I know who I am right now. I can't help you with nothing. Mm. And because we don't steward well, and when we when we make the money, we go ball out and we don't hire the right account. We hire the cheapest one. I'm just talking about me. I know nobody else did that. Let's go. But we don't hire the accountant that really, really has seen where we're going. We hire the accountant that we feel comfortable with, that we know we don't have to be as accountable to because the accountant that we want and the, t- the tax staff and all the people that we want, they're going to call us to the carpet when we don't answer the phone. They're going to call us to the carpet when we spend too much money. And we don't like that because at the end of the day, we just want to work for ourselves so nobody can tell us what to do because we don't like accountability. We don't like trust. The last time we trusted somebody, we got hurt. So half of y'all go start businesses so you don't have to work for nobody. Mm-mm. I'm about to. I'm and then about you to get take, in the business, and it take. I'm just saying. Look, I'm about to. I'm about to turn off the lights and walk out because you do it. Look, you you going in? You stop me anytime, girl. You know how no, I stop me. Keep going. <laughs> this I'm is just real, saying, especially kingdom entrepreneurs. I have never seen more manipulation of God or attempted manipulation of God than I have with kingdom entrepreneurs. Just because God told you to start a business does not mean he said you're going to make six figures, multiply six figures. Maybe God told you to start a business so you can make $60,000 a year and not have to go to that job. So when your child is about to go through hell in middle school, call you, you can be there every day to make sure they don't cut up. Yeah, see, we, all we think about is the money. That's because we believe that black people ain't supposed to have it. Mm. Mm. Deep down, we believe we're not supposed to have money. That's why we talk about it so much. And when it's time to talk about it in the important conversations, we don't talk about it at all. We only talk about it enough to make it seem like we bosses. We love exterior. We love to present a certain way. That's why so many women who are in my DMs and who are on my phone trying to talk to me, but you got the perfect Christmas pictures. Baby, them 2022 Christmas photos was perfection. And you hate your life. Wow. Why? You put this pressure on yourself. God didn't do this to you. Your husband didn't do this to you. You got on the internet and you said, hmm, five photos say that her life's better than mine. All right, everybody in here sucks. I'm launching a business. Halfway divorced. I'm going to stop whooping kids. I'm a gentle parent now. This is literally what we did. We got on the internet and we looked at five to ten pictures and then they had the audacity to give us a reel. Like a highlight reel where someone can re-record it 73 times and make it look perfect. And then you at 45 years old get on there like you're 14 and says, oh, I'm not good enough now because such and such went to Dubai and I haven't yet. I am so sick of it. I don't know what to do. I don't understand why you're going to question why your 15 year old is struggling with confidence and they watch you sit on Instagram and compare yourself to Instagram models and filters all day. They're doing exactly what they see you do. And so if you're wondering why your daughter won't listen, it's because you don't listen to your husband. So she ain't going to listen to her daddy. And if you can't show no respect, that means you can't earn no respect. So she ain't going to give you none. I need for women to understand that everything that happens in your household rises and falls on you. I don't care what he doing outside. If you would have married the right man, you wouldn't have to worry about this, but we're here now, so how do we fix it? We focus internally on us. Wow. Ain't no more saying, well, he ain't doing this. He ain't doing, nope. I don't care about that. I'm not his coach. I'm talking to you. What are you doing? Because one or two things are going to happen. Either you are going to submit to God and say, okay, I didn't do this list of things you said, Lord, forgive me, bet I'm ready to go now. And now you're going to get in alignment. Now you're going to start doing what you're supposed to be doing. And God is going to handle everything else that's not in alignment with him, even if it's your husband. Now, his way of handling it might not be your way of handling it. And that's why it's really important to know when to shut your mouth. 
That so, is hope that's helpful. Let me tell you something. You you just gave a class on business. You gave a class on being a mama. You gave a class on being a wife. All it like <laughs> y'all, this is why Felicia was my business coach, because I need somebody like this that's gonna snatch my coattail and say, Hey sis, uh <laughs> what is we doing? And I when you were talking, what kept ringing in my in my ear is imposter syndrome. Imposter because we hear about that all the time, right? Everybody talking about, oh, I'm battling imposter syndrome and all these things. And I want to speak to that. And I want to ask you: Is that something that you've ever dealt with? If so, how? Like what? What is that? Because I feel like as Black women now, this is our this is our season, if you will. Like we're stepping into new territory that our mothers, our grandmothers, our great grand they never had access to what we have, right? right? So we don't have right. a vision of what this is supposed to look like, whole, wholly and holistically. And I think that's where the imposter syndrome comes from. I'm not going. I'm not going to take words out of your mouth, but I want to hear from you. What do you think about that? How have you dealt with it if you've had to? I haven't personally had to deal with imposter syndrome, and I believe I know why. Mm. When I was 19 years old, I went into the car business in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Okay. You got to understand that in 2008, the world was turning on its head. We were getting ready to go into a recession you know, little small things, right? We got into COVID. We we're like, oh, this big problem. But small things at the time. And when I was 19 years old and I went into the car business after being in sales for two years, I was the only black girl. Now, what y'all have to understand is I know I'm big on the internet, but I'm five feet tall. Five, flat. And so being a black girl in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and every man that's selling cars with me is 50, 60 plus from backwoods, Louisiana, flying their Confederate flags. It's a very different environment mm. than what I saw myself in. And so I didn't have to deal with imposter syndrome because I didn't have time to deal with imposter syndrome. See, a lot of these things didn't exist. We created them. We went and gave the enemy all of this ammo and we said imposter syndrome. And I'm like, imposter syndrome? Hold this for. Okay, cool. We'll talk about it. I think that imposter syndrome is a new way of us saying fear. I think it's very developed. I think it's really dope that we have this grandiose name for it, but it's really saying I'm scared that she's better than me. Imposter syndrome is feeling like a fraud. How can you feel like a fraud if you're not comparing yourself to anybody? So yet again, the problem is you doing this. Oh, five photos that look better than mine. I'm terrible. She's wonderful. That's still the problem. The only way to get imposter syndrome is from comparison. And so when you start eliminating all those things from your life that says I need to be like X, Y, Z and understand that there's a reason that you have the fingerprints that you have, then we can understand and we can say, oh, wait, imposter, I'm an individual. Mm. I'm a one of one. Post all makes sense. I am literally the only person navigating my life. I'm the only person being me. Who am I going to ask other than God? Other than somebody who's learned themselves, who's comfortable being themselves, who said, I know who I am and stand for that. Right. That's the mindset. Once we can say, I know who I am and focus on finding out who we are. Imposter syndrome walks away on its own. Mm -hmm. Imposter syndrome cannot live where confidence and boldness do. Imposter syndrome cannot live where authority lives. In my house and say, I don't feel like I should be here. Oh, this, this, this is where I live. My car and say this feels really weird 
That's my car. Clothes and saying, mm, who she thinks she is? Those are my clothes. And so why is it when you get on the internet and you pick up your phone and get on the internet that you pay for, now we start getting into somebody else's life and comparing it to mine when they know nothing about us. And truth be told, you know nothing about them. And imposter syndrome also says, I am so arrogant that I think because you don't tell me your negative business, your life is perfect. Mm. And I also think that because you don't tell me about the things that I could use against you if I wanted to be used by the enemy, that means that you don't go through anything. And I have to devalue your experience as a woman. And I have the audacity also to think that I could survive a date in your shoes. Wow. We realize that imposter syndrome is a cute way of being fearful while being arrogant. We'll stop doing. That's good. I'm, I'm gonna have. To, I'm telling you, I'm going back right and I'm gonna write that one down because you're right. Like if you if you aren't focused on anybody, who are you? Who are you being an imposter to? <laughs> that, I never even thought about it in that way. Like I never framed it in that way. But now I got another Feliciaism. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are these feminisms. <laughs> Woo! That was good. So. I want to get to the crux of the topic because it's becoming a rich black woman. What is a rich black woman? What is it? Uh, a rich black woman is a woman with the right to choose. She's a woman who's thriving in her purpose, who's confident in who God has called her to be. That doesn't mean that every day is perfect, but it means that we handle things a certain way. That means we set a standard. And if you can't meet that standard, like my mama taught me, I'll just lower my expectation of you. But I'm not going to lower my standard because you couldn't meet it. And so what I'm going to do as a rich black woman, I'm going to bring things internal. I'm going to say, okay, did I go through my day the way I should? Did I start my day with prayer the way I should? Like, this is for me, right? That's my rich black woman routine. How do I operate in my day to day? I'm a wife. So I don't care how much money I made with this company. I need to go cook for my husband today because I told him I would. Right? How does a rich black woman operate? I'm the best wife that I can be. I'm a wonderful wife. I am a wonderful mother. I'm a wonderful business owner, hiccups, mistakes and all. But guess what? I'm have mistakes as a wife. I'm having mistakes as a mom, as a sister, as a daughter, as an auntie. Right. All the things that I'm becoming over, over the years. A rich black woman says, I know who I am. You don't have the right to change that. And any time I cannot positively impact the atmosphere, baby, I leave. Mm. That's how a rich black woman operates. It is about how we move as women. How do we think as women? I think highly of myself, not higher than I should, but all I do is believe what God say about me. See, I'm not arrogant. I'm not cocky. I'm not stuck up. I just believe what God said about me. And people who don't believe what God said about them, they can't possibly be believe what God said about me. So obviously I'm going to be offending them. That's what a rich black woman says. A rich black woman says, I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't care what you think about me. You can't change anything that God has said about me. And so if I'm called to a certain level, that's what I'm called to. If I want to take the day off and take a day trip to New York and go have tea at the plaza and fly back home, then that's what I'll do. This black woman is about designing the life that God has promised her. Because at the end of the day, I have a responsibility, accountability, and I have to be a steward over what God's given me. A rich black woman is going to master time, money, and energy. I'm going to assess my time to make sure you don't waste it because every time you waste my time, it costs me money. Every time it costs me money, I get pissed off, so my energy is off. Mm. That's rich black woman mindset. And so we have to understand four things. There's a, I call it the Lear system. 
First, we're going to leverage your income for massive success. That was the first thing that I did on this journey. We have uh, I developed the 818 money system. And anytime I go up a level, anytime whether I go through something or God elevates us or God shifts us financially, I go back to this system. Every time. That's the first thing we want to do is leverage our income for massive success, because if I cannot steward what I have, giving me something else is a waste of both our time. Mm. So then we're going to expand our marketable skills because nobody likes a one trick pony. This is why y'all get stuck. I feel stuck. I feel stuck. You're not stuck. You out of season. Mm. And so you think because you did something for 15 years, now you're going to do that for 15 more. Baby, you might be the new kid on the block. Y'all don't like to be new no more. You get to that top of the mountain, you want to sit right there on your perch and look down at the other people. But then when God shifts you, you got to do something else. And now you're the new kid. You got to be humble again. And y'all don't like real humility. And so then you just going to expand your marketable skills. And you're going to realize, oh, wait, it ain't that God having me do something new. I'm presenting something new to the people, but it's something that I already know. God is never going to send you out ill-equipped without the right people and without the right resources. So we have to understand that when God is saying, shut down that company, leave that job, you are already ready for where you're going next. It's just that you're too focused on where you are to be doing what he said. And so once we expand our marketable skills, then we're going to activate unlimited abundance. How do you activate unlimited abundance? You start setting new boundaries and realigning your boundaries around time, money, and energy. So that means that the schedule that I had when I lived in Goldsboro, North Carolina, didn't work at all for me when I was in Houston. And now that we spending some time in Raleigh, that ain't work at all for me either. So I've had to change my schedule three times in the past year. Why? Because how I run my day needs to align with what I'm called to right now. Mm. And then finally, that's when we step into the rich method for living, because once you master time, money and energy, once you got your relationships aligned, once you say, OK, this is who I am and I'm going to stand firm in that. We have to now maintain that level of living. You got to maintain that because what's going to happen when you go team cut off and now you don't have no more friends. You got to make some new. Uh oh, uh oh, not team cut off. Yeah. Jesus. Oh. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not team cut off. I just respect the Simons being over. Mm. It's very simple. I respect the assignments being over. Sometimes the assignment is over because God said, all right, this was the date and now it's over. Sometimes the assignment is over because you have done something that I can't get past enough to trust you to keep you around. Or I've done something and you no longer trust me to keep me around. Or there comes a day and somebody realizes mm, I'm done with this. This is good. I feel like at 35 and 40 plus, we can accept the fact that somebody don't want to call us no more. We should be okay with that. We should be grownups, yes. But no, we like to live in kindergarten. Everybody got to share. Everybody got to share. Everybody got to share and be nice. And being sharing and being nice is what's got you when it is because nobody ever taught you that you can say, no, I don't want to do that. Boundaries. Ooh. Fee. I hope that's helpful. I, so look. I, I gotta bring you back because I got like You're three more over there. I got three more. Yeah, you gotta come up. You gotta come to Dallas, and then you gotta sit here at the table. Look, have a seat at the table. Um, because I got questions in the in the comments and all this, and it's time for us to wrap up. But I'm sitting here like, I wish I had brought my notebook because I feel like I'm in one of your coaching sessions. Like, good oh. God, this lady. So. Two things before we go. First of all, I always ask my five questions and I just ask random five questions just real quick. You know, whatever comes to the top of your mind, I want to get my five questions out. And then I want you to tell people how to get in touch with you and what you're working on so that they can tap into this energy because it like I'm. Yeah, I'm going home. I'm about to I'm about to have to take notes again. <laughs> so my first question 
is what's something that you absolutely cannot live without besides God? I know you probably said Oh, God. oh, crime TV. Crime TV, baby. ID channel me, please. I love it. I love it. I see uh, my girl Leslie watching. She's been watching the Murdoch trials and she got me watching it because she commenting on Facebook every day. So, yeah, okay. ID. ID. There we go. Second question What is a sacrifice that you've made for your business that you wish you hadn't made? That I wish I hadn't made? Yeah, you wish you had not made. So. I took a major risk and two years ago, I want to say that I was going to not be the face of the company anymore. I was going to prepare my company for acquisition. That was going to be the long-term goal. And so I started letting my team take over uh, social and being the face and coaching. And that was one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. I would never do that. Okay. Number three, what is joy to you? Oh, man, I have so many. Joy to me is the way I wake up. I wake up very peacefully. Um, and the way I, I would even stretch further and say the way my family wakes up. That was something that was very important to me as we became parents. Patrick and I were very vocal with one another about the kind of parents we wanted to be when we had children. And the way we wake up just makes me smile. No one jumps up and jokes up. You know, my kids are in that last year of homeschool. And so now they're getting up much earlier than they used to. And so I hear their alarm going off and it's very soft and it's very subtle. And I hear them getting up very slowly and they have time to stretch and figure it out. And that's one of the things that really make me feel joy. If I could describe what joy feels like, it's the way we wake up as a thing. Because nobody wakes up rushed. Nobody wakes up to loud noise and any of that. that that's joy to me. I love that. Oh, okay. Look, I'm now, now I got the feels. Like, I know what it feels like to wake up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my fourth question is, you have to start your business over from scratch and reach a million dollars in a year. What are three things that you'd start over from scratch with? Okay, this is dope. Number one, I would create a high ticket offer. So whatever I'm an expert in, I would create a high ticket offer immediately and I would go and get three clients. For me, a high ticket offer is a minimum of a $10,000 offer. And so if you have something that's 10K, 20K, 30K, 50K, you can then say, all right, let me go and get three clients. Boom, I would take the, those 30, that 30K, I would take 15 of it and be super strategic with marketing, with events, and I would then start in the um, expertise space of speaking. I would move into speaking a lot more um, if I had to start my business over. So many people are afraid to be the face of their business, I think, or uh, afraid to speak about their business. I think those people should close immediately. You have to be a person who is willing to discuss your business or what you are called to at any time. So first, I would create a high ticket offer that didn't create a lot of time, right? Something I can do virtually. Then I would take half of that money at minimum and leverage it with marketing, with ads. We already know the simple things, having an accountant, having bookkeeping. We know that. But I'm talking about building the business. Once I did that, I would take all of the things that I did for those people, turn them into digital products and physical products, whether it is taking um, a coaching session and turn it into a book. Simply have it transcribed, have an editor go in and make it a book. You can take a lesson and make that one lesson a book. We just got to underthink it. 
underthink it. Start a, I would launch a high ticket offer. I would reach out to all the people I ever worked with and to, tell them what I'm doing differently. Then I would take half of that money and reinvest it. The reason I say only half of it is because we spent too much money. The, then finally, I would take that um, service and turn it into smaller products and then run it from there. Because if you have a high ticket service, digital products, then you turn it into a book. You take that book, go and do events, and then it's a cycle now. Mm. She just gave us she just gave us a whole blueprint. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. All right. And my fit my fifth and final question is, what would you tell 14-year-old Felicia right now? Oh. See, you're gonna make me cry. I don't know why you'd ask about 14-year-old Felicia. I would tell 14-year-old Felicia that she was beautiful. I would tell 14-year-old Felicia to keep writing, keep writing. I wrote a lot. And I would tell 14-year-old Felicia that the only reason you don't understand your life right now is because you're in it. Mm. You're too close to see around you. I find a trusted person step back and let them tell you what they see. And I, it choked me up because that was the only year of my life that I lacked confidence. Wow. The only year of my life is when I was 14 years old. And that is what I would tell me. I would tell me that it's temporary. Just take a breath. Just hold on. And I would also tell myself that my mother loves me very much. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know why I chose 14 either. It just like as I was writing the questions, I was like, okay, 14. Wow. wow, yeah. That was a uh... look, Patrick knows me. I didn't even know he said tissue down. Look, my <laughs> thanks, Patrick. <laughs> he so me. he knows me. Well, thank you for sharing that. That oh. wow, that was that was good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Four, two, 14 year old fee, man. <laughs> so tell <laughs> us, way. how do we get in touch with you? What are you, you know, what are you working on? You got any projects that we need to tap oh, into as yes. we close? Yes, I'm actually back after taking about a year off. Um, I've been working a lot privately over the past three to four months, but I'm just now coming back outside. You can follow me on TikTok at The Rich Black Woman. I'm also on Instagram and YouTube at Rich Black Woman TV. But my biggest project, my biggest focus right now is for Black women who are looking for a supportive community. Here's what we're focused on in the Rich Black Woman Society creating your purposeful rich black woman daily routine because how you run your day is how you run your life prioritizing rest peace and home life like that has to be first we're redesigning success reframing success and ultimately designing our rich black woman lifestyle from the inside out with real self-care tips for travel luxurious living and things like that you can always go to ivanrich.com but i brought a special gift for your audience, uh, Chanel, I want to give everyone who's watching, if they go to bit.ly forward slash bright RBW, they can get Speaking Like the Rich, my new ebook, which is 10 affirmations and Bible verses for your rich black woman journey. And again, that's at bit.ly forward slash bright RBW, our lowercase. All right, y'all, that link is going to be in the comments. Y'all go ahead. Those affirmations get me through affirmations and really yeah. like that positive thinking and, and reprogramming my mind. That's what gets me through. So 
I, oh my goodness, Felicia, these comments are on fire. These girls are eating it up. They loving it. Thank you so much. I knew, I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew who to bring, but I appreciate yeah. you so much. I look forward to seeing you. Okay. We're going to, we're going to get together here soon, yes. but, um, May everything that you poured out today be measured back to you a hundredfold. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You always, thank you. you always a deep well. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So y'all next week, we have another guest. We have another black woman entrepreneur that's coming on. We'll be talking to Miss Shalice Tobert. Her and her husband own a law firm in Gary, Indiana, and they serve the community with their whole heart. And we are going to talk about what it looks like to run a business with your husband while y'all are serving in the community, doing all the things. We're going to get the blueprint on that. They've been together, y'all, since eighth grade. They've been together since eighth grade. And it's just, y'all got to hear the story. So make sure you come back next week, 6 p.m. Central. Right here on YouTube, we'll be back with the Bright Girls in Business show. See y'all later. Thanks for watching the Bright Girls in Business show. Be sure to like, comment, and share this video. And don't forget to subscribe and smack the bell so that you get notifications each and every time I go live with a new episode. Until next time, watch one of the previous episodes and we'll see you next time.